Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603 356 Here's your forecast for Friday, September 29th and Saturday, September 30th. So Friday in the clear under partly sunny skies, slight chance of rain showers early and hazy. High around 50 degrees, winds south shifting east at 5 to 20 miles per hour, possibly becoming light and variable at times. Friday night in the clear under partly cloudy skies, slight chance of rain showers and hazy. Low in the lower 40s with winds east shifting northeast at 5 to 20 miles per hour, possibly becoming light and variable at times, increasing to 15 to 30 miles per hour. Wind chill falling to 30 to 40 above. Now, Saturday will be in the clear under partly sunny skies. Looks really nice. The high in the upper 40s. Winds northeast at 15 to 30 miles per hour. And there is a warning here that this haze will continue to impact the air quality in the region uh, from distant wildfires. And um, they will be contained within the area of high pressure currently resting over New England. So there's just a warning here for folks that do have uh, respiratory issues to be careful and to perhaps limit prolonged exposure to the outdoors if necessary. All right, enjoy the weekend. from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Okay, Stomp, episode 123, 123. Here we go. 123. 123. These are weird numbers. This this reminds me, I, um, a couple episodes ago, I wanted to say something about 120. And um, 60 beats per minute is one beat per second, and 120 is two beats per second. And that's very common 
tempo in music, pop music and electronic music. 123, a little bit faster. Yep. One, two, three. Well, you know. That's our episode. So, uh, so welcome, welcome, Stomp. <laughs> um, I pulled my quad today running. Oh, come on, really? Yeah, very weird. Um, just running in, on the local trail that I run in all the time today. And yeah. I literally just like tweaked my toe a little bit, sort of pointed my foot down just a tiny bit, and I felt this like sharp pain in my quad. So oh, man. Um, I just walked it off a little bit and then I was able to run back, but I, I shut it down mostly and just ran very lightly back. So I think I'm going to take a day or two off, but getting old, any, any little tweak that's outside the norm can result in a major injury apparently. Yeah. No kidding. Or, or overuse, you know, you might think about trying some other activities. Blasphemy. I know. What, so is it down by your patella, your kneecap? No, no. Up on my thigh. Oh, it's like in the middle, yeah. the muscle belly. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So we'll see how it goes here. But uh, all right. And then I have my, um, I got a little bit of a a ribbing from somebody. So I've got my words that shall not be said written in front of me in my notebook here. So I'm going to try to be a real <laughs> professional uh, broadcaster <laughs> today. Good luck. <laughs> I was told that I say like too many times and I sound like a teenage girl. Mm. Yeah, we're still struggling with that. I'm still saying um too much. Mm. And a teenage almost, girl told me this, so I, I've got to believe her. <laughs> My lovely children are so nice. Anyway. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, so welcome to episode 123 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we talk about all things hiking and search and rescue related in New Hampshire. This week we enter fall and it is foliage season. So Stomp is going to give everyone a refresh on his fall foliage tips for October as we enter into what better be a spectacular leaf peeping season given how much rain we've received over the summer. Um, We'll have the trails, the drives, and the secret spots to check out to avoid the crowds and find the views. All this plus a Zylo the Cat update, a history segment, a mystery segment, and a hiking drama segment, Stomp. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Haven't done that in a while. All right. For the history segment, we're going to learn about Benjamin Ball of Ball Crag fame on Mount Washington. For the mystery, we're going to learn about the strange disappearance of Kevin Race on Mount Washington. I think we've touched on it before, but we're going to do a deep dive on this one. And Mm -hmm. uh, for the hiking drama... We're going to discuss the 32 feet up family who are currently on the Appalachian Trail. So this is a family of like 15 or 16 people that are hiking the AT. And uh, it's a cool story, but there's a little bit of drama around it. So we're going to break that down. Um, And wait, there's more. Taylor Swift breaks the NFL. The Bachelor is letting (laughs) elderly people compete. And we've got recent search and rescue news. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. And we're just going to have a quick word here from our sponsor, The Hiking Buddies. This is Ben Pease from Hiking Buddies. We are a 501c3 nonprofit committed to reducing avoidable tragedies through education, impactful projects, and fostering a community of support. You can find out more at hikingbuddies.org. We wanted to say thank you to those who have supported our mission, and most importantly, say thanks to those who speak up, who ask questions, and who are willing to provide guidance and assistance on the trails when needed. You embody what it means to be a hiking buddy. 
And now, for all my newer hikers out there, here's this episode's Hiking Buddies Quick Tip. Wrapping some duct tape around your trekking poles to have in an emergency situation is an excellent idea. Duct tape can be used to secure splints, repair tents, rips, tears, and other problems with your gear. It's a great item to add to any pack anytime. Excellent. Thank you, hiking buddies, for your word. Yeah, it's good tips. Definitely helpful. It sure is. It sure is. So, um, so Stump, we, we kind of like dropped the ball on guests this week, so we're um, <laughs> going to be doing a longer sort of topic riff housekeeping section here where I'm going to cover a history segment and a um, mystery segment, and then we're going to get into the fall fi- foliage, which will be our main segment. Right. So if you're listening here... Just buckle up. This is going to be a longer than normal segment. Tis the season. Fall foliage. Tis the season here. So I got my beer. I'm cracked and I'm ready to go. So first thing here, Stomp, you had on the list. You wanted to read an email about Portsmouth High Outing Club is looking for gear donations. Is this Portsmouth, New Hampshire? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so this came into our email and it says, Hey, Mike. Hey, Stomp. My name is Amanda Goudreau. I am a science teacher at Portsmouth High School. My colleague, Tara Mary, and I, co-advisors for the Outing Club at PHS. This is a club that allows us to chaperone student day hikes, backpacking trips up in the whites. Tara has been leading this group for a long time, and I am new, but we have noticed that we do not get as many students to sign up because they don't have enough access to gear. So hiking gear can be expensive. We have come up with the idea to do a gear drive where hikers can donate used gear they do not need anymore for our students to use. So long story short, we're wondering if you would be able to plug the information about the drive in your next episode. And um, I have attached the flyer, which I'll post again on Friday uh, for the listeners. And um, it has all the information. There'll be drop-offs at uh, Favorite Rest Stop, The Common Man in Hooksit on Columbus Day. I'm still waiting for approval there, but I should hear back soon. Um, I have also attached my receipt for my donation to the New Hampshire Outdoor Council. And I have been meaning to donate for a while. So that's very cool, Tara and uh, Amanda. We will uh, certainly plug this and give the information to the listeners. It's definitely a cool um, um, endeavor for sure. And it's something that we probably don't think enough when we talk about trying to get people uh, up to access the whites. It's like, who has the gear and who doesn't? So this is very cool. Glad, glad to help. Yes, and I have some extra backpacks that I've been cleaning out my gear closet, so I'm going to donate those. Um, Stomp, if you could nice. just put the link in the script, I'll make sure that I include that in the show notes as well. Sure. It's actually a, a, a picture of their flyer so i'll try to send that to you it, i think the link is on the picture itself okay perfect. I'll, I'll dig it up yep i'll get it on the show notes all right very good that's a great cool. idea and then stop isn't there another there's another um doesn't reckless have a gear closet as well for winter hiking it's a gear library gear library yep correct yeah gear library pretty neat idea yeah, yeah. yep so that may not and be a 
pretty well stocked. A bad idea if anybody is looking to, you know, in the Seacoast region, if you wanted to create a gear library as well, that wouldn't be a bad idea. But anyway, we'll help out the Portsmouth High School Outing Club and see what we can do to get you guys more gear. Yeah, absolutely. You can take the kids up to Mount Agamenicus or whatever it is. I used to take, <laughs> I used to chaperone my kids' field trips there and go hiking, and it was always, mm. always fun. It was like herding cats. <laughs> impossible <laughs> speaking of herding cats oh yes pick it up strong uh, poor Zylo poor Zylo uh, he lost something very important today and uh, we don't have to go into details but I guess he lost his cat hood he is a boy but uh, he's let's just say he's lost a couple ounces so um, he's had a rough day Mike do cats get neutered or sp- is it like neutered is like the term you use for when a male cat gets or a male animal gets fixed, right? Correct. Correct. So Zylo yeah. lost his balls. Um, did, I feel like, was there a story behind that where you guys thought that Zylo was a girl, but then... <laughs> right, and then all of a sudden these two little things... You were not going to allow him in the house or something? Uh, well, no, we were not really sold um, a false uh, bill of advertising with this female cat, but it ended up being a boy cat. Um, apparently the, the testicles dropped after several weeks after they were born. So they legitimately just thought it was a female cat, but not the case. All right. Well, good luck, Zylo. Speaking of balls. Yep. Speaking of balls. So (laughs) when I saw the script here, I was inspired. I wanted to do a history segment and I have, what I do just a little inside baseball for the listeners is I have like a long list of like names and topics and, um, stuff that I keep around, like interesting characters for the whites. And every once in a while, if I need a segment or if I'm thinking about doing a history segment, I'll just pick something. And then I saw Mm -hmm. that Stomp wrote, Zylo lost his balls today in the script. So I was like immediately, I was like, I'm going to do a quick segment on Benjamin Lincoln Ball. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? If you've hiked Mount Washington, probably a lot of people don't go this way. But if you go down, the way that I've done this before is I've summited and then gone down via Nelson Crag. And I think the first small summit that you go over when you're on Nelson Crag is called Ball Crag. And it's named after Benjamin Lincoln Ball. So Mm -hmm. if you're going up the auto road stomp, it's... You know that section at the very end before you get to the little, you know the little flat section before the summit? Yeah, the the pasture. Yeah, yeah. Well, right yeah. before that, that is that steep sort of 90 degree turn that's super mm-hmm. steep and goes up. Like when you get to the top oh, yeah. of that and then you turn to the right to go back to that sort of flattish area b- below the summit, if you look to your left, yeah. you'll see Ball Crag is like a small little <clears throat> summit right there. Um, a little sub peak, gotcha. Exactly. So, Benjamin Lincoln Ball was a traveling dentist from Harvard. So, he was one of these <laughs> gentlemen who would, you know, tour around the whites. And he went, I think he went to like Asia as well. So, he wrote two books um, one about Asia and one about New Hampshire. So, he was one of these educated people. So, he was a dentist, a traveler, whatever. So, he found himself in a bit of trouble while climbing Mount Washington in like the 1850s. I think it was like 1855. 
Um, and he wrote a book about this. So he actually um, hiked Mount Washington like the end of October in 1855. So obviously mm-hmm. the weather, we've heard so many stories about people getting in trouble in late October um, in in the white. So this was another scenario where back then I don't think the auto road was fully complete. I think that they had, had already sort of built everything up to the halfway point. They had like the, the Glen House there. He had made his way up to the Glen House and then had decided he was going to go all the way to the summit. I don't think the auto road was there. I think that they were like still dealing with like footpaths back then. Um, mm. And I think, didn't you like at one point you found like one of those old paths from the, the halfway point yeah, of the, auto the road? The original carriage road, which diverts, it can be followed just after um, the four mile marker. And it's used currently as the winter route for the snowcats. Yeah, got it. So I don't even know if that um, original carriage route was built yet. But somehow, um, Mm. Benjamin Lincoln Ball, he found himself um, trying to summit. And just at the point where he started heading up from the Glen House, he got caught in a storm. So he wrote, and he wrote a book basically covering the uh, the whole story called Three Days in the White Mountains, and it's available for free. So you can actually oh. read this book. It's pretty cool. It was published in like the 1860s, and it's, it's Library of Congress has it, and you can go online. I'll include the link in the show notes. And nice. he describes in great detail his three days trapped on the mountain in late October. And essentially, he was over in that area for a lot of it, like just below the summit, kind of in that area where the auto road is near that pasture he had sort of laid down he had had some equipment i think he had like an umbrella and um some other like walking stick and things like that that he was able to kind of protect himself a little bit with but uh by the time they found him three days later again they they put out a, a search party for him and eventually had found his footprints in the snow yeah. A group of locals had found him. There was like four or five locals. They took him down. His feet and hands were frozen. Luckily, he didn't end up losing any limbs, but uh, uh-huh. probably would have if he was out there any longer. But it's, it's an wow, interesting story. that's a story. long time. Yeah. Three days out there in the 1800s with that gear. Yeah, that's crazy. I wonder if uh, his clothing was wool-based or, I mean, a lot of the hikers back then wore a lot of just thick wool. Yeah, yeah, I think that was most of what his gear was. So, um, he did have boots. I know that they talked about. He talked about in his book about removing the boots and things like that. He said he recovered okay, but he Hmm. was a bit of a character. But yeah, it's it's called Three Days on the White Mountains, and it's an interesting read. It's I didn't read the whole thing yet. I, I didn't read the appendix yet, but he's got some some summary stuff. But I did read most of the the rest of the book, so I'll include that in the show notes as we're checking out. Hmm. That's that's really neat. Yeah. There's so many stories out there. We keep on coming across new ones all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think this happened pretty close to where there was like some other deaths on Mount Washington. So I think the locals in that particular time frame were sort of on alert that there was a bunch yeah. of, you know, travelers coming up and getting themselves in trouble. So I, I suspect mm-hmm. after these, the 1850s, they had enough incidents where they sort of were a little bit more aggressive with the with the non-locals to tell them to knock it off. But uh, this guy was quite a character. Mm. Well, speaking of rescues, we have uh, the Rescue Me 5K coming up November 11th in Lincoln. Uh, there is a Team Slasher now which you can sign up for, and th- this is just a benefit that's uh, 
helping Lakes Region Search and Rescue. It starts at 10. I believe the race starts at 10, uh, ends at 12, and they'll be after celebration at One Love. This is the day that uh, we're having our November 11th uh, event, live event at Reckless that afternoon into evening, uh, but there should be plenty of time to overlap for everybody. Have you scoped out the course yet? Where's the course? It looks fairly level. It starts right there in that parking lot, and then it, it, it appears to meander towards, say, Whale Tail. Okay. And then and then it comes back in and around some of the back roads of Lincoln. So it doesn't look too difficult. Okay. That's, what, 3.1 miles? Yeah. Well, I'm signing up, yeah. Stomp, so let's do this. Right, yeah. There's a, there were four or five people that have signed up already for the team. So this would be a nice time. That's great, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Originally, I was like, you told me about it, and I was like, Lakes Region, and I thought it was going to be over in like... Um, Meredith or one of those areas and I was immediately oh, like yeah. somebody's going to tell Stomp like we're going to be climbing mountains because it's very hilly there but I think Lincoln's a mm-hmm. little more gentle yeah it should be fine excellent so looking forward to that Stomp what do you think you're going to run for a time um, that's a good question maybe 45-50 minutes maybe less no no you'll be way faster than that because of the levelness yeah, maybe you're right. I just don't want yeah. to overdo it, to be honest with you. True, true. Yeah. We'll I see. mean, my first, we'll see how like my first few miles up on a road were 15, but that was elevation. So, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I've never done a race like this. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. Yeah. Rule number one, don't poke yourself with the pins when you put your number on. <laughs> I'll deflate. Can't do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um all right, Stomp. So you have a shout out for um, somebody who did a photography session for Zylo. What is this like? The, what, 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 what kind of nonsense are you up to with this cat? Well, this this uh, photographer was inspired by the explanation as to Zylo's name, which you know dates back to or translates back to wood in ancient Greek. And mm-hmm. he took some photos and came up with this beautiful image and actually named it Zylo. But I just want to shout out the fact that he's sending a print to uh, me and Mrs. Stomp. And I just think that's really cool. So yeah. it's Mike Weinhold Photography. And we'll give you the link on Instagram. His work is beautiful. And uh, once we receive the print, we'll certainly uh, let you see what it looks like. It's a very nice picture. Yeah, I went on his. Yeah, I went on his Instagram. He's got some great photos on yeah. here, and I love the uh, the Zylo um, piece as well. So mm. yeah, he's got some really good ones. He's got this picture that I really like. I, I always do this. I take pictures with the with the cairns when I'm above tree line. Yeah, I try to place them in the the forefront of the photo mm-hmm. because I do feel like it gives like perspective on you know looking out. And he he does that in one photo, which is really cool. Yeah. Excellent stomp. So Zylo, world famous. <laughs> sure is. Mm-mm-mm. We're about to serve up some tasty hiking drama. All right. So next up, we got the, the drama piece that I was talking about. So Stomp, have you heard about this group of people? They're called 30, 32 Feet Up. No, I have not. And they are a, a single mom and her 15 kids hike the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So it's a, a 46-year-old single mom 
with 15 kids that age in that range in age of 23 to 3. Wow. And they are all biological from one marriage. I guess the wife or the mother and the father like split up like a year or two ago and I think it's been tough on the kids. So the sure. mom her name is Nikki Bettis. She decided that she wanted to take her family for a through hike. So they're local to Virginia. I think they've been poking around the AT near McAfee Knob in that area. So she had it in her head. She was like, well, let me see if I can get the kids together <laughs> to uh, to do this through hike. So it sounds like the mom's got this dream. And she's like dragging the kids along with it. Um, there's f- Well, you know what's funny yeah. about this? The, the dad would have to approve of this because the, clearly they're crossing state lines. And generally you have to get permission from the other parent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They don't give any details about like what the deal is with the divorce or what they did say. I think what I read was that they were separated. So maybe if they're not legally divorced and they're only separated, maybe there's less stipulation there. But it's also like, I think from what I can tell, there's five adult children and then nine minor children but i don't know maybe this guy is just like so goddamn exhausted that he's like i'm just just go <laughs> yeah good luck <laughs> right right so so what are the deeds uh, anyway so um just to give a little bit more background so she started having children at the age of 23 and she's now 46 and she's got 15 so she's got it looks like 10 boys and five girls and she homeschools the kids. So apparently the two older ones went to regular school, but eventually she just got tired of um, sending them to regular school and the kids got all sick. So she just decided to homeschool them. So they do like a Montessori style curriculum and none of the 13 youngest kids have ever set foot in a traditional school. And apparently she says that she has no plans to homeschool the kids during the hike because the trail is in and of itself school enough. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, sure. uh, Yeah, no, they started in Georgia. They did hike the majority of the trail up to the Smokies and they bypassed the Smokies. Now, the way I heard about this group originally was that there was like some chatter online saying that like the mom had posted and she's like, we hit like the 400 mile mark or whatever. And then somebody was like, well, you skipped the Smokies and you, you know, you didn't really do 400 miles. And then she had to send out a correction. So there's a bunch of chatter about like the purist online being like, you know, Hey, you know, they're not doing a real through hike because they haven't gone through all the sections. And then they're saying like, well, we're going to go back and do the Smokies. We just weren't ready for it at that time. So Fair I enough. don't know. Anyway, so it's it's basically with the with what they're doing, like it's it's not a complete through hike, but the mother does like to give sort of updates on all the mileage, and then it seems like the online social media crowd likes to sort of make sure that they nitpick it and correct it. So there's been a little bit of tension when it comes to whether or not this is a pure through hike or they're skipping sections. So uh, there's that piece of it, and then. The other piece of it is that, you know, they're little kids here. There's a lot of them. There are five adults. There's two dogs, as best I can tell. And there's an article here where a couple of the kids talk about how they hate hiking. And the only reason they're doing it is because they're forced 
to uh, to do oh it, <laughs> which is kind of like okay, well, you know, huh. if the kids are miserable, like, and you're forcing them out there. That's not cool. Interesting. Right? It reminds me of that movie Captain Fantastic. You know, with the they're off the grid and yeah, it's a great movie. Learning by nature. Yeah, it really is. But the kids weren't too happy at certain points. Yeah, yeah. And then the family, so this trip, I'm, I'm referencing an article in the Trek here. So this section here is Outcome the Trolls. From the moment they set foot on the approach trail, the hiking community took notice. Word of the huge family attempting to through hike spread on social media like wildfire and uh, caused a bunch of rumors and accusations. So people have accused the family of damaging the trail each night when they camp because of the large group size. Huh. I got to be honest, Stomp. If I was like, if I was at a tent site and like fifteen kids rolled in, I'd be like, "Oh man, please don't set up near me." Oh, can you imagine? So yeah. So where are they right now? They are. They just made it through the whites. So they're in Mahuzik. They're through the Mahuzik. They're in the Mahuzik right now. I think. Holy moly! Because I was going to ask. I mean, winter's coming quick. Yeah, above yeah, tree line. ticking. Yeah, no doubt yeah, about clock it. Clock is ticking. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, wow. as far as the impact goes, the mom figures that her family of 15 has less of a footprint than the model group. Many of the kids are small. They share tents and they cook communally. Um, apparently, the uh, the Appalachian Trail Com- Commission or whatever it's called helped them minimize their trail impact by recommending they set up camps on forest service roads and other open spaces farther from the shelters. So... They try to sort of stay away from the shelters, it sounds like. Interesting. She's got satellite communication. She's using these Zolio um, systems, which I see more and more. My friend Tom had one of these. They're, they're essentially these little devices where you can set up and get a satellite link and then connect it through Bluetooth to your phone and then send a text out. So they've got they've got some... Hmm. Sounds like the uh, Defy... Unit by yeah, Motorola. Some, some emergency. Oh, another complaint that they talk about in this article is the family takes up all the space in shelters and hostels, and then they eat all the all the trail magic at hiker feeds, leaving little for other hikers. But the mothers like they stay away from shelters. They don't inconvenience other hikers, and um, they don't stay in hostels, so they don't bother anybody. And they only allow the kids to take one item of, come on, if you're doing trail magic, it doesn't matter who's there. Whoever shows up gets gets food. That complaint's bullshit. I, I guarantee that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of people. Defending the family. Oh, absolutely. I do question her defending intention, the though. Duggars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to get inside her head and find out the real motive, if unless it is the real motive, just to, I don't know. I, I mean, the way I read this is like, I think like, 15 kids, she's had 15 kids in like 23 years. So she's basically been just, you know, yeah. having kids for the last 23 years. And then she goes through a divorce with this guy that they've been partners forever. I'm sure that she's looking. I think what she said is she's like, this was my last chance to have everyone together with me before they all start spreading out because the older kids are kind of going to be on their own. Huh. So. I wonder if she's so got. I think a, that's the motivation. I wonder if he had her sign a nice, hefty life insurance policy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, honey. Is. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really sure. Wow, so, that's a wild story. Um, another thing is the one of the adult daughters, a twenty-year-old. She went. 
she underwent bariatric surgery. So she was 257 pounds before the surgery, and she's gotten down to 175 and continue to lose more weight. And the weight loss has helped her physically Mm. um, with her hiking. And she has completed the Virginia Triple Crown. I don't know exactly what that is. but So one of the daughters, it seems like, is getting in shape. And then overall, like even though you know we're talking about the negatives a little bit here, from the, a big perspective, or from a, a big picture perspective, they have gotten a lot of help. And, you know, there is a fair amount of support for them. And, you know, there's a bunch of little kids here, and it's always good to have them out there. And they're pretty cute. So mm-hmm. one of the 17-year-olds, like he's a, he's a, one of the boys, he, he wrote a blog post recently on Facebook. They mostly on Facebook. And he was like, the the haters can, can screw, you know, he, he basically said the haters can blank off if they have anything negative to say so and he was the one that was like i hate this and i'm being forced to do it but he's like i've, I've become i've come to like it now so uh there you go wow so, i don't know stomp incredible story i can barely get one of mine out there forget about the whole family there'll probably be a payday at the end of this too i mean certainly media outlets will be chomping at the bit to interview them it'll be brief but it, yeah, it's notable. I mean, she'd have to jump on her 15 minutes of fame. Right. I don't know. I mean, these families, like, I get it. Like, it's it's cool and it's great to be together, but I just get weary about these. Like, I think about the Gosselins, like the Kate plus eight. I think about the Duggars. Like, mm. none of those families have ended well. So to put your large family out there on social media like this, especially the younger kids that don't have any say about it, like, I'm always kind of down on that, honestly. Like, mm. I... You know, I, I I look a little side eyed at that, especially given that like maybe years ago we didn't know any better, but now we're starting to see the impact. Like the, those Duggar kids and the Goslin kids that went through this growing up on social media and in the public, like they're not doing great. No, no. definitely not. So anyway, not but we'll see. They're in Mahuzic Notch, so if you're in Maine, uh, keep an eye out for this army of people hiking through. And I do wish them luck. And you know they're. If they can make it to Katahdin, that's great. They still got to do the Smokies, and I, I don't know if they've missed some other spots or not. So they're doing a sort of a like a, a bounce around hike, not a through hike. Well, they have a good stretch of weather. The next ten days, the long range looks fantastic. So hopefully that'll hold for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we really do deserve a good stretch of weather here because it's been it's been awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. All right, Stomp. So that is the, so we've done the history, we've done the drama, and now we are going to do the mystery. Oh, we need a new mystery drop for this. The mystery, yes. So uh, this is an odd case. So we've talked about, there's four well-known missing people, person cases that I can think of. There's Mara Murray, which we've talked about multiple times. That's not really a hiking-related one. Then the three hiking-related ones are um, the the young man from MIT that went missing um, in 1983 on Franconia Ridge. Then there's Stefan Porthsu, who we've talked about previously. So this is a young man out of Drake at Lowell area that went missing, I think, like three years ago under strange circumstances and he's never been found and then the the fourth one 
is a gentleman by the name of Kevin Race. So I think I've touched on Kevin's story before, but we haven't done a deep dive on it as far as I can recall. So Kevin Race is an, an odd case. He disappeared under mysterious circumstances just before he was scheduled to go to court. He was essentially scheduled to go to court two days after he had vanished to face charges where he was accused of embezzling nearly $250,000 from a company that he co-founded. Apparently, this was like a rope cordage type company. I know there was that much money in rope stomp. Yeah. Did he go kayaking? (laughs) Nope. He was hiking. So, yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, Kevin was, I know, remember that? So, Kevin was last seen alive on September 9th, 2007, I believe, um, when he left a note at his home saying that he went to New Hampshire looking for his final resting place. Apparently, his brother found a suicide note. Uh, So family members say that they believe he committed suicide on Mount Washington. His body hasn't been found, and authorities in the initial news stories were wondering if he staged his death to evade criminal charges. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so the date is September 9th, 2007. Um, Kevin was missing. His car was found at Pinkham Notch, so apparently he had told his girlfriend that he was going for a hike on Mount Washington. He wasn't. He did have an outdoors background. He didn't return home. That was unlike him. The girlfriend took his truck and drove up to Pinkham Notch where she knew he was, At that point, um, they found his vehicle in Pinkham Notch, and then a a search and rescue event was initiated. The news articles at the time say that his last reported sighting was at Hermit Lake Shelter on the morning of September 9th, so he was spotted by somebody at Hermit Lake. Uh, Race was described as having blue eyes, brown hair. He's 46 years old. He's 5'11", 195 pounds, so pretty good shape guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, you know, his girlfriend, you know, kind of tipped off and set off the search here after he didn't come home. So the weekend of the search, there was a thread on the the hiking forum view view from the top right. about um, Kevin. And the consensus on that forum was that the timing was suspicious. There was a fair amount of jokes and sort of ironic comments around the fact that it was being reported that he was due to show up in court a couple of days before he went missing. So um, he was facing charges of embezzlement of around $250,000 from his business partner. So the company was out of Maine. So they lived in Maine. Um, and, you know, family members fear that he may have been suicidal. Uh, well, the family saying that authorities were speculating he may have staged his disappearance. So. Mm. Kevin's younger brother, Brian, found the suicide note, which was left behind at the house, and he had then also reflected on some conversations that Kevin had where he indicated that he had gone off and visited various locations of like friends and family for the first time in many years. So Brian, the brother, is insisting that Kevin had likely committed suicide and was not the kind of guy to run from his problems, which seems kind of weird because if he did commit suicide, he would be running from his problems, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
investigators say that um, specifically what Race was doing was he was writing checks and using the company credit card to embezzle this money. This all happened over a five-year period, and the mon- the company was called Custom Cordage, which is a main company that he started with his partner named David Bird. So Kevin and David were partners. Race's lawyer claims that this was a simple dispute over the distribution of assets. So I don't know if they were selling the company or one of them was ex- exiting, and they were arguing over ownership or or funds but whatever bird did he was able to get a a court case and charges filed for embezzlement and then eventually bird went on to file a civil suit in 2008 after race had gone missing and he upped the loss amount to over $500,000 stolen oh, between tw- uh, 2002 and two- until the time of his disappearance. So That's a lot. Once they started digging, they found even more money missing. Right, right. I think everybody has so. their breaking point. I mean, his brother may think he w- couldn't do something like that, but maybe he doesn't know yeah. that breaking point. That's that's a lot of yeah. pressure. Yeah, exactly. And there's some more interesting stuff here. So just before I get to that, a note about the weather that weekend. So unfortunately... Um, in the news article, the weather had not been cooperating. So um, there's a Lieutenant Grelensky who was quoted. Um, he had said that the mountaintops had been shrouded in rain and clouds, making search efforts slow and laborious. So this is early September, so you can kind of get a hit or miss. Oh, yeah. You know, you could have summer weather or you could have winter weather. Um, so uh, Lieutenant uh, Grolinski said that they're doing everything reasonable, but without any new clues, it really is like looking for a needle in a haystack. Um, searchers from the New England Fishing Game Department, Appalachian Mountain Club, Mountain Rescue Services, Androscoggin Valley, the, the Search and Rescue, New England Canine, and U.S. Forest Service are checking trails and scenic outcroppings in the search area as well as the forest in the vicinity of the vehicle. Uh, Army National Guard is also assisting with aerial searches using a Black Hawk helicopter. So they were rolling out all the stops to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, to add one final piece to this mystery, there was a post on the Unresolved Mystery subreddit, this is on Reddit, that went back probably four or five years, and he there was a... a a redditor that had put up a case summary to give some details. Now, this person that had posted on the Unresolved Mystery Sub, he had claimed that he took an EMT basic class with Kevin Race, apparently right before he had disappeared. And he described him as someone who had talked about wanting to join Doctors Without Borders. Mm Mm-hmm which is interesting to me. So he's planning to like go overseas and, and help out with this Doctors Without Borders um, and oh. taking this EMT class. Right. So wow. interesting. And he, he said that uh, Kevin explained that he was an avid outdoorsman and that he had a lot of free time because of his successful rope company. And the poster on Reddit had speculated that Kevin was certainly capable of surviving out in the wilderness mm. and gave off and always had a plan vibe is what he specifically said. So he's like, you know, I feel like this guy definitely like could handle himself when it come to get, came to getting lost. So I don't know. If he did commit suicide, it sounds like he was probably the type of person that could find a spot that he wasn't going to be found in. Sure. If, But it also seems plausible. Like if, if the authorities seemed like he was thought that he might 
want to disappear. I mean, the girlfriend finds the car conveniently at Pinkham Notch. The brother finds a suicide note at the house conveniently. You know, you could see either way. Right. Maybe he's out there missing, but you could also see like, okay, you know, he set everything up so that the girlfriend knows to come looking for him if he goes missing. The brother finds that suicide note. He sort of planted some seeds with the family so that they think he's not in the right set of mind. And then right. he's off in the Caribbean. He, maybe he was in Turks. He, Could be. Could you know be what? Anywhere. That guy that drove the boat tour in Turks and Caicos, he was from Boston, gave me a vibe. I don't know. Maybe it was him. <laughs> Skipper. <laughs> yes. So Interesting. But I don't know, Stomp. I mean, the suicide thing is always... It's, it's sexier to think that he's off in a Caribbean island somewhere, but who uh, knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after this amount of time... If he wasn't hiding, I would think that eventually the gig would be up somehow, some some way. You know, I always think it's uh, an eventuality. You, you would think, Stomp, but like I, I've I've heard these stories where people get found after like forty or fifty years of mm. you know escaping from prison, or yeah. you know maybe no one's looking for him. Who knows? Right? Yeah, that's true. So anyway, mm. Kevin Race is one of, like I said, one of four missing people that we always you know that we kind of focus on three three really that are missing in the white mountains that haven't been located right um and and again you know we've talked about all three in the past but i thought that i would do a little bit of a deep dive on this one because it's it's an interesting story absolutely yeah kevin race of maine if anybody knows anything more reach out i'm happy to talk Mm. yeah nice nice job interesting stuff Hey, what's that sound? It must be time for the pop culture segment with Mike and Stomp. Excellent. All right, so moving on to pop culture talk here, Stomp. You've got one thing you want to cover, and I've got two breaking stories that I need to break here. Interesting. Under pop culture? Yes. All right. Well, it looks like Taylor uh, Swift, and I've got the bachelor. I've got bachelor news. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like uh, there's some progress being made in the uh, writers and acting uh, guilds in Hollywood. So it seems as though the writers have come to a tentative agreement, which has not been ratified yet. But uh, who knows? It could. It could be a, a step forward in the right direction. You may see some of your talk shows and late night shows coming back soon, but um, I guess the pressure now is on the actors. Um, the actors have not agreed to anything at this moment, and I guess a big sticking point is they want a 11% wage increase in the first year of the proposed contract term. So anyway, progress moving. Um, so that's a good thing, I guess. Yes, let's get back to making good good TV. Sure. That's all I got. All right, Stomp. Speaking of good TV here, so The Bachelor, do you want, uh, this is mostly for Mrs. Stomp, but I'm sure, I feel like you and Mrs. Stomp do get into The Bachelor season sometimes. Uh, we get into those, like, those blind ones where you're, you're in the pods and you don't see each other, or some of those new ones. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, they're interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like those, and then they fall in love, and then they meet each other, and yeah, train like wrecks. That. But anyway, the the original one, the OG, the Bachelor. So yep. you know, they've they've had this been going on for twenty years now. 
they've finally got a new spin on the bachelor this this is the golden bachelor so this is coming out i don't know when mm. but the golden bachelor is old people so they found like this guy that's I think these people are all in like their sixties, but honestly, most of them look like they're in their. They look. They're like they have that look. You know that look of old people that look younger than they are, but then you know they're old, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like I see the advertisement. Like they'll have the bodybuilder old guys that are like in their sixties or seventies, but they're ripped. Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. looks like one of those guys. Gotcha. Interesting. So I want to be one of those guys when I get that age. But anyway, so the Bachelor <laughs> looks pretty good. I'm assuming he must have some money. And then they got these, whatever, I think it's like 15 or 20 bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be vying for this guy's attention. And the, the, like the little vignettes that they all, that they all like talk about, like, oh, I'm like, whatever, I'm 64. And uh, every one of them's like, I like pickleball. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Goodness. Every single one of them's like in the pickleball. But all <laughs> the women look like, you know, if it, oh, so if you look at them from like <laughs> like a wide shot, you're like, oh, they're in their like 20s or 30s or something. And then you get a little bit closer and you're like, okay, they're a little older, but you're no way, you're not like they're 60 or 70, but they're in their 60s and 70s, but they all look like they're in their like 40s. Interesting. Huh. So a little yeah. older demographic. Who puts this show out? What what network? Uh, I think it's ABC. Oh, okay. And so anyway, that's probably who's watching. Golden Bachelor. <laughs> I mean, honestly. If you're in your 60s or 70s and you're getting roped into going on The Bachelor, like, I don't know if you've learned, like, life <laughs> lessons enough to be a serious person at that point, right? I, I, I There's a payday, too, right? I don't know. Yes, I mean, no. Is there a payday? Is it really worth it? Oh, I, yeah. Who knows? Not people who do anything. I mean, is it worth your dignity? Uh, for some, I'm sure they could care less. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sketch. Anyway, but we'll be we'll be keeping an eye on that, and I'm sure that you and Mrs. Stomp will be checking that out. But I do find it interesting that the uh, the demographics older, as opposed to the shows on Netflix. It just shows you who's watching these specific networks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. I think that the the big three networks do skew older, but yeah. Uh, you know, hey, old people got to find love too. My, pa- I mean, my parents <laughs> they live in the villages down in Florida, which is like a hundred thousand retired people and you know my dad says basically he's he says like when these you know like if a couple like one of the couples passes away like all there's more women than men out there so if a, if a woman passes away like the women are all there with their casseroles like lining up at the funeral to, to scope out the, the available bachelor right. so it gets crazy down there. isn't this the notorious villages or no Am I thinking of something the villages, else? Yeah, it's it's notorious. Yeah, they say that like it's the highest place for STDs and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, but it's that's what it's I not like that. Okay, <laughs> I mean at least the part that my parents are in. I think I don't know. <laughs> we have to do a slasher investigation. Well, uh, uh, I'm going down there, so uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, driving around in golf carts, and it's a whole thing down there. That's so. too funny. Yes. So anyway. Um, oh, I don't know. I may, me and Mrs. Mike may end up down there someday. We'll see. <laughs> Enough of that stomp. Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey from the Chiefs, and the NFL has been broken over the weekend over this story. What's the deal? I'm not familiar with T- Travis Kelchi. Kelchi? Kelch? Kelsey. Kelsey. So. Okay. I Tell can't me. believe so you're not into um football at all. Zero. Unless it's You're not a dude whatsoever. You have no dude characteristics. <laughs> or bro characteristics. Right, right. 
yeah, I never have been in cards. Do I play cards? Eh, not really. Yeah, you like a Thursday night guys card game? Nope. I, I miss that whole macho guy team sitting around playing poker Avenue. I just went off in some other direction. Really? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm an oddball. That. I'll take you to the card game. Would you, would you be uncomfortable with the card game? No, I would love to learn. Okay. Yeah, Maybe it's funny because Ale- uh, Alexandria, Mrs. Stomp, is uh, a, a shark. She's great at cards. I get that vibe from her. Yeah. <laughs> I get that vibe from her that she'd sit down and smoke us all. Oh, totally. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you in on the card game here, Stomp. So anyway, um, but no, nothing football, nothing baseball, nothing basketball. Uh, not really. A little bit of soccer, but um, I will tune in for the last games of uh, any football season. I love it when it's down to the wire. That's when it catches my interest. All right. Yeah. All right. I don't know, Stomp. It's weird. You're very weird because you do fit. Like, because Jimmy Chaga is like a bro. Yeah, he is. Guy, too. Like, I feel like I, I got a little bit of that in the movie, too. But you fit in perfectly with us. So I feel like you just, <laughs> you're not trying enough. Like, you have the bro characteristics. You just need to work on it. Yeah, I'm a changeling. I'm a, a, I'm a morph. I morph yeah, into whatever. fit in. Whatever group I'm in, I can settle in and be comfy. Is Stomp a bro? We don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Taylor Swift is dating this guy, Travis. So Travis Kelsey, do you know Rob Gronkowski? Yes. So Rob Gronkowski <laughs> is like the best tight end for the Patriots. So the best way to describe Travis Kelsey is he's the Kansas City Chiefs like new version of Gronk. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother have a podcast. They're very like bro culture. Yeah. And he's had like a, he had like a reality dating show back in 2016. So anyway, he was able to like reach out to Taylor Swift and he was, she was playing at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City and he reached out. Somehow they connected. He slid into her DMs and now they're dating. So Taylor Swift, she moves to the let's hang out with my new boyfriend's mom zone very quickly. (laughs) So she showed up with Travis Kelsey's mom in the luxury box for the Chiefs game. Oh, gotcha. And now it's all over the news. So that's big pop culture news. Huh. Oh, man. So, Taylor yeah. Swift, though. She's got a bad it, it, track record. Oh, she's all over the place. But Stomp, don't let the Swifties come after us. But the Swifties <laughs> are like, the fans of the Swifties, they're out of their mind. Today, the big thing is that there was like a video that was uncovered where Travis Kelsey was practicing with the Chiefs and he got into a fist fight with like some of the other players. So now all the Swifties are like analyzing this and they're like, I don't know if it's <laughs> safe for Taylor to be around somebody that that is that violent. So everyone's losing their minds. My oh, daughters boy. are all into it. Yep. Yeah, I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> All right. All right. So we learned that Stomp can be a bro, but he's not really a bro. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, we're going to invite him to the card game. Yeah, that sounds good. Mrs. Stomp is actually happy that I'm not the big sports guy. I think she would lose her mind if I was 24-7 on my phone doing the whatever the people are doing right now. Virt- what What's it called? These fantasy leagues. The fantasy football. Yes. Fantasy football. <laughs> or like listening to sports talk radio. I mean, she'd probably kill herself. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've got two fantasy football teams, so I'm a little stressed out right now. But anyway, we're, we're learning all about you, Stomp. Yeah, there you go. 
All, All right. right. So, uh, so moving on here. Um, sponsor? We got a sponsor here? Nah, we'll do that a little later. But uh, just a couple of reminders. You can get your free slasher stickers at Ski Fanatics off of exit uh, 28 off of Route 93 or at Spinner's Pizza Parlor off of Dascom Road, Route 93 in Massachusetts. Um, reminder, if anybody wants to advertise with the podcast, just send us a message over one of the uh, social medias or email us at slasherpodcast at gmail.com and we can show you uh, some nice plans and whatnot. It's always good to support the podcast. We do have um, a coffee donation and this is a conditional coffee donation, Mike. All right. And the pressure's on you on this one. Mark donated a single coffee and threatened us that he will not donate another if Mike pronounces Musalak correctly. I think I saw this. I yeah. saw this. So if I Mike think he wants me to pronounce it Musalak, right? Uh, he, I forget how he did it, but he, I think he parenthesized it and then spelled it out phonetically. Um, but yeah, so he's only going to donate again if you get your act together, I guess, with oh, the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark, if you give me money, I'll say it however you want me to. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. There you but, go. Um, I feel like didn't we talk? We talked about this very early on, like in like episode two or three, where we we agreed that Steve Smith had said that you can pronounce Musalak or Musalake. <laughs> right. Yeah, I so. agree. Neither one is wrong, but it sounds like Mark has an opinion that I should pronounce it a particular way. And I'm happy to pronounce it however he wants to. Just keep the coffee flowing. So Musalak. Keep the coffee rolling. Yes. That's yes. wicked funny. Oh, that's a good one, Mark. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Beer talk? Beer talk. I've got... Um, I'm drinking a Treehouse Brewing beer. I'm going to be drinking a lot of these because I have a bunch in my refrigerator. But this is a 35, which is a double IPA, and it is a 7.8% alcohol by volume. These Treehouse beers are, they kick. Yeah. For sure. Totally. It's pretty good. It's a yeah, double IPA. All right. I'm just drinking coffee, actually, but I wanted to uh, give a shout out to Grandpa Stomp, who gave me... Um, this new beer here, you can see it, uh, Bells. So it's called, uh, oh, yeah. it's Bells, and it's a double two-hearted IPA by the double, oh, it's a double American IPA, 11%. Bit of a kicker there, and uh, it's pretty tasty, different um, different taste, but it was pretty enjoyable. Actually, has a shelf life of three months. I've never seen that on a label before. But uh, thank you, Grandpa Stomp, and uh, it's bellsbeer.com, B-E-L-L-S-beer.com. Yeah, speaking of beer, I had, I think I talked about this in the last episode. So when I was at Yosemite, we had uh, Yosemite Peel Ale, which is an American Peel Ale, and the price there. So everything in California was pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. It's like $6 gas and whatnot. Yeah. The price for the Yosemite um, Peel Ale was ridiculous. It was like $11.50 for a four-pack. So it was way cheaper. Yeah. That's and the bad. beer was fantastic. So that was the one thing that I found in California that was like way cheaper than every, anywhere else I've seen. Hmm. Yeah, that is pretty cheap. 
craft beer out here is outrageous. Yeah, it's expensive. I mean, I think yeah. these treehouse beers were like tw- they're twenty dollars for a four pack, so they're five bucks a can. Oh damn! Yeah, that's uh, a little over the top. I think it sure is. It's an expensive, expensive habit. It's for the show. Can I expense this for the show, Stone? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a business. Yeah, I guess. All right. I'll talk to the CPA about this. <laughs> All right. I didn't even think about that, but okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so you're drinking a coffee, but you've got a beer, and then I'm drinking a beer here. Yeah. And then recent hike stomp, I think we need to get the shame cue up, so I've got nothing. I had to stay home this weekend. Not to mention it was, like, gross this weekend. Yeah, I've got nothing either, but I have been running, which is cool. Um, just hitting the hills locally, trying to get ready for my 5K. And uh, back to the beer thing for a second. I think I'm diving into that uh, Sober October again. FYI, no pressure, but oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go in just just to trim up again, a little, lose a little weight and pump up yeah. the cardio. Yeah, you're going to polish yourself up a little bit? I think so. Month. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll do that. I'm in. All right, great. Well, wait a minute. When are we doing the reckless thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll do a waiver for that. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that's the, in November. Though. That's the 11th. Actually, yeah, you're right. November 11th. So, yeah, no, no issues. Okay. You know what I like about taking a month off too is like those first couple of beers after you you start back up again mm-hmm. give you the little buzz. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, right. it's so many so many benefits taking a month off. Yep. Yeah, I do. That is the one thing I do like. I don't mind paying the four or five dollars for a beer because you do get a little more of a kick with these heavier IPAs than when I was in right. high school sneaking. Budweiser's in the in the field. Yep, drinking six of those, you know, you'd have to get a buzz for sure. Yeah, less volume. All right, stop. Notable hikers. All right, hey, I really want to thank the listeners for doing a great job with these hikes. So they're getting interesting here. Not that they weren't, but they're getting a little more uh, eccentric. Let's say. So we have, um, I think, eight here. So little Margaret is still out there. Remember the, the little one? She's, uh, I, th- I, I want to say she was five years old. Uh, just an update on her. She's, uh, she did Monroe and Washington with dad and Garfield with dad and their little brother, uh, James. And she's now at 27 out of 48. So she's still out there crushing it. Great job, Margaret. Is she the, she's the one that did all the 52 with a view already? Yes, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's crushing it. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. As long as she's having fun, then go nuts. Right, exactly. Um, If uh, that big family on the AT wants another little one that can crush peaks and inspire the little ones, it might be a good idea. Imagine that people are like I just got to get rid of my kid for like a week and I'm just going to dump them with them. They won't even notice. That's a yeah. It's a new business they're offering. Yeah. Hiking. Uh, all right. So Nick hikes and plays guitar. Did Diamond Hill hike for the Taylor James Steves Foundation, and then also Red Lining Watch Use It. Um, Nick sent an email over and just basically. Did 10 miles, uh, 3,260 feet of elevation for a total of 7,719 feet for that uh, foundation charitable. 20K is his goal, so good luck. Keep at it. Uh, Brady Girl won. This is really a nice one, too. It's a bushwhack up to Garfield West Peak for the New Hampshire 100 highest list. 
Mark S. completed 51 and 52 on the 52 of the view list this past Friday, 922, with a nice traverse. Mark. I'm sorry? Nice job, Mark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I've got this little echo in my ear. So it was a traverse of south and North Moat on a Bluebird Day. North Moat was a truly spectacular summer to finish on, he says. Hiking Feeds My Soul is at 24 out of 48 on the 4,000 footer list. And that was Garfield for Mike or Miles, sorry, Miles the Dogs 48, a.k.a. Trail Boss. So this dog's out there crushing peaks. Um, Snow Angel. Tackled North and South Hancock via Tunnel Brook to Musalaki. Two more here. Another congratulations. A lot of people finishing these lists. Senior Airman Tenzin Dakar finished the 48th on Mariah after the Carter-Mariah Traverse with the Wildcats mixed in, I believe. Um, And then C. Gothberg. This is this is great. Really beautiful pictures of sunrise on Musalak and Hurricane Mountain Loop, and they actually ran into a moose on trail too. So they, those are your notable hikes of the week. Do any stand out? The the fifty two with a view finish. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm noticing people hitting peaks that we talk about fairly often i wonder if we're inspiring folks well <laughs> i am the one thing that piqued my interest was the garfield west peak oh yeah and i've always forgotten about that one i've never gone out there so is there a view there or is that just a like a um a tree tree filled summit um i think it's tree filled i've not been there is myself it? yeah. yeah it's tantalizingly close off of the off the trail so it, it sure seems like it would be a very quick one to hit yeah Slasher's Hiking Topic of the Week. Now we're going to move into our segment of the week, which is just some fall foliage talk. So I think in episode 23, so 100 episodes ago, we had done a deep dive on fall foliage talk. So I thought that it would be cool to recap some of the topics that we covered there. And then um, I've hiked some new places since then, so I wanted to add a little bit of perspective on places to go but i think originally what we had done was we talked about like if you're not a hiker and you want to go for some cool foliage drives Mm -hmm. we've got some tips for driving and then we've got some easier hikes and then we've got some epic hikes and then stomp you had included just some reminders as we get a little deeper into the uh, fall and winter season around safety here so i think to start off with for drives for me you know, I had talked about the, so first of all, I guess the the first thing to be aware of is the fall foliage um, calendar here. So it looks like the calendar is going to be, uh, we're going to be peaking starting this week up north and then that goes into, I think it's a couple of, it's another week and a half or so. Columbus Day weekend is the is generally the peak in the central White Mountain region. So that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, let me just pull this up. I haven't heard a peep about foliage right now, but I think it's starting to creep in up north. Yeah, it looks like there's some in the great north woods, mm-hmm. but then if we if we tweak 
tweak it a little bit um, and we head up to the first week of October, that's when it's peaking in the great, great north woods and then really starting to pop in the White Mountains. And then by the time we get to the 7th and the 8th, then you're talking about, um, you know, peak 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. That's the White Mountains start peaking and then the southern regions start really popping. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into like the end of October, then the lakes region and um, Sunapee in that area starts starts blooming. So right. sounds like it's going to be, it's going to come on quick here. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Earlier today, um, you've heard the, the talk about how is the foliage depending on how much rain you've had and this and that during the summer. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's a myth. I couldn't find anything to confirm that. So I don't know what to expect in terms of how vivid the colors will be or how flat they'll be. I know there are some other factors, but rain isn't one of them from what I, from what I dug up online. Oh. Which is sort of interesting. Yeah, well, I think for, for hikers, if you're thinking about this, essentially what you have is you've got four, or you got five weekends. You've got the weekend of the 30th and October 1st, then you've got the 7th and 8th, 14th and 15th, 21st and 22nd, and then the 28th and 29th. And then once you get into November, then things are going to start falling off the trees and it's not going to be as great, especially up north and in the whites. But Sure. Um, Except down in yeah, Mass. Past peak. How, when do you think the peak is for, say, Mount Greylock or Wachusett? Uh, late October? Here, Storm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's it's later in the season. Yeah, you can just chase it. That's another great area. Yeah, yeah I do want to get out there. I mean, I went to college out there and I, I spent, you know, a number of years out there, but I just haven't been out in a while. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I lived out there in Western Mass, like I was such a drunken moron that I just didn't appreciate it. <laughs> so anyway, but that's that's the foliage. So we've got five weekends for everyone to get their act together. Unfortunately, I'm going to be traveling this weekend again, so I'm not going to be able to go up north, but I'm going to plan on getting up there every weekend in October stomp. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> that's the plan and then um, as far as drives go so if you want to get in your car and you want to drive around stay off the kank try to avoid 93 if you can uh, I had said like an early season drive would be heading up to Grafton Notch via 95 North head over to Route 6, uh, 26 get up to Newry and Bethel from the Boston area and uh, you know there's a lot of easy pull-offs in that like Sunday River Grafton Notch area. You can go as far up as Dixville Notch. Right. Uh, you can come via Route 5. You can come home down via sort of Route 5, get into Freiburg, and then, you know, stop in Newry, Bethel, Freiburg, Cornish, Maine. You know, there's a bunch of pull-offs up in Grafton Notch, but I basically just what you're doing is avoiding that, like, center of New Hampshire. You're going up 95 in Maine and then cutting across into Western Maine to get the uh, to get up to Grafton Notch in, in that area there in New Hampshire. So that's a good drive for early season. And then Stomp, I always talk about like mid-season. Right. If you want to go to a cool road to drive on, like the Grafton Turnpike heading up towards like Dartmouth Skiway, uh, you take... Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Know, you head up, yeah, you take like 93 um, to get 
to cut over and then you got to find your way onto like route 10 25a you can connect to route 3a and drive into franklin and then you know make your way up a grafton turnpike towards the dartmouth skiway that's where you want to drive it's like that it's there's a bunch of dirt roads there and it's, it's awesome that's an excellent excellent choice Yep. And then the other one is 113 and Tamworth. So if you're coming up 16, cut over to 113, like you're going to, I think, the Ossipi Range in that area there in Tamworth. Mm-hmm. That's another great ride to cut over into the Lakes region. And you can make your way over to like the Squam Range and just driving through those roads there is a great area. Yeah. Good input. I have a couple. I mean, yeah, for early season, I would still stick with um, the ride up north um, towards. Whitefield, Lancaster at this point, because there are some beautiful wide open stretches of fields uh, with panoramic views of the Kilkenny Range, the Presidentials. Um, I had mentioned last time the ride through Stark, um, which I believe is Route 110. That's another beautiful area, which gives you views of the Percy Peaks. And you can take a pit stop over at South Pond, where White Mountain Endurance recently had their event. Beautiful areas up there. Mid, mid-season, um, uh, I had mentioned, say, Lost River, you know, the Kank. But again, you have to do the outskirts of the Kank and avoid uh, the, the middle from Lincoln over to Conway. That's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking more of the western side of the Kank towards Benton. Yeah, or like head up to Haverhill, Haverhill. That area there. Absolutely. And yep. then from there... You can head south onto Route 25, which would be more of a mid to late season uh, ride. 25 is absolutely beautiful. So yeah, agree. And then you can even you can even cut over onto the uh, the you you can even cut over to that uh, Grafton Turnpike area from 25 yeah. coming south and sort of hug that western New Hampshire border by Vermont mm-hmm. and come into into Dartmouth and Hanover that way too. Oh yeah. That's great. But whatever you do, don't go through the notch. Franconian notch on uh Columbus yeah. Day weekend is hell on earth. Whew. Yeah, it's hell on earth. If you gotta go, go super early. Yeah, you know, hikers know the deal. Stop at hooks it, get yourself an egg sandwich on the on the rest stop, and then get moving quick and get there early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving on to hikes here, Stomp. So I have changed my perspective. So I've got a list of early season hikes here, but I want to the new ones that I want to add is um, there's like three of them that I've done that I'm sort of like I, I didn't include them when we had talked about this previously. So the first one is. Um, North and Middle Sugarloaf mm-hmm. off of Zeeland Road. Sure. And the reason why I like these ones for foliage, and I think you've been there too. Yep. And I know my friends Beth and Mindy, Beth Lynn and Mindy had gone and done some pictures. I think last year as well as the Sugarloaf sort of puts you the the it's a summit. It's almost a 360. It's like a 270 summit. But they also put you into the foliage. So you've got a bunch of summits that are higher than you. Mm-hmm. But you, so you get the benefit of like the foliage is just like you can reach out and touch it. Sure. I think that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the Sugarloaf. The other two that I, I think I want to shout out is I had done uh, Glen Boulder to Isolation last fall. Yeah. And the views of Pinkham Notch looking in both directions along the road were absolutely stunning. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. 
Yeah. And then the last one was Cannon. Cannon blew my mind when we did that finish hike stomp, mm-hmm. when I finished my uh, my lists. Yeah. The terrifying 25, 52 with a view, and the fourth. The views that we got out into Franconia Notch and Cannon Cliffs were uh, like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I call that hike the Kill Knobby hike. <laughs> yes. The Kill Knobby hike. Exactly. <laughs> Not Kill Kenny. So. Kill Knobby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He still talks about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Nobby is reaching out to me because he wants to finish his terrifying twenty-five list. So he's he's got a payback to hike. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, funny stuff. Yeah. So anyway, um, those are so Glen Boulder isolation, um, Cannon, and then um, Sugarloafs were the three that I added to my list. So Stomp, I don't know if you have any new ones that you want to add to your previous list, and then we can go over the, the old list. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's slightly different. I think I would suggest you know an easy to moderate hike for this early time of the foliage season. Unknown Pond, for sure. I think that's two, two and a half miles. It's a great hike. You get up to a, a view of this beautiful pond. It's a tent site. And it looks upon, I believe, the bulge or the horn, one or the other. Um, it's a beautiful spot. That's great. I had suggested the Percy's, but those are that's a little bit more of a moderate hike, a little more advanced. Um, if you're heading south towards the mid-time of the foliage season, I would still stick with, mm, I don't know. It, it's always tricky because I'm, I'm crowd-adverse. So Mount Pemi. Pemi Jawasset Trail up to uh, Mount Pemi. I still think that's a good one. Great view. A hard... Is it, uh, one mountain, like, right on the border of the North Country and sort of, you know, the uh, Sugarloaf area would be uh, Mount Martha. A little bit steep, a little bit more advanced, but it does overlook uh, this beautiful open forest of, you know, the hardwoods, which is what you really want when you're looking for the foliage, not so much the pine forests. That's a good yeah. one. You're talking about Mar- Martha Owl's Head? Correct. So that's near yeah, yeah. Twin, north of Twin, the town of Twin. Correct, yeah. So that's, um, the, and the view there is amazing because you you look. So we're Cherry Mountain, Mount Martha, Owl's right. Head, they're all like the same mountain. That is where Tim, Timothy Nash of Nash Stream Forest in the 1700s, like when he was scouting the area, he climbed that, and that's where he saw Crawford Notch. Oh yeah, and that's that's what broke Crawford Notch. Is he was like, I see an opening. Can you um, imagine? And that's you so get cool. that view when you climb up there. Remember, we did that hike with Nobby, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and that that's an amazing view for foliage. It sure is. Um, yeah. t- two others for more south would be uh, what. Mrs. Stomp and I just did, that's Orange Mountain, just south of Mount Cardigan, in the Cardigan State Forest, and also back to the uh, Bald Mountain and Mount Crosby Loop. And they're all modest hikes, but they're awesome. Lots of views. Yeah. You know, it's another modest hike that I, I haven't done this, but I, I'm thinking about doing this, and I suspect that this would be a sick hike Is uh, in the foliage season is uh, Zealand. Zealand Trail to Zealand Hut and then back. Oh, I'm yeah. assuming going through those bog bridges and being under the, the the tree cover there would be amazing in foliage. Sure. Or from Z Cliff looking towards Mount Carrigan and Whitewall, that mm-hmm. whole valley there, into the Pemi. Isn't that the Pemi? Yeah. I yeah, think so. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That'd be a good option. But yeah, Zealand's awesome. I miss it up there. Yeah, yeah. We got to get out. We got to get out. We have five weekends stomp. Yeah, for sure. Or four now because I got to travel. But uh, but the other ones that I had on my list here, Pine Mountain is another one. It's very similar to like Sugarloaf's where it it's a summit, but it sort of drops you into a larger group of mountains that you're below so that you feel like you're really immersed in the foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, Burnt Meadow in Brownfield, Maine is my local mountain that always has great views. Um, I would add Pleasant Mountain as well in Denmark, Maine. These are Western Western Maine, right near North Conway. And then Green Mountain in Effingham, New Hampshire, which is right by Ossipee, yeah. is another one. It's a fire tower hike, but it's got great it's got great hardwood forest and the foliage there is awesome and you can look down into uh, Lake Ossipee, which is great. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, stop. And then uh, a couple safety reminders here. You want to cover those? Sure. It's the time of the year. Surprisingly, the sun goes down a little earlier. So make sure you have your headlamps. And as Mike says, you need more than one. That's for sure. What's your phrase again? One is none. (laughs) And two is too few. (laughs) Pack three or four, you'll be good. Because then you can always give it to somebody that doesn't have one. (laughs) True. The other thing is these days are really weird. You know, they're in the 60s in low 70s during the day but once the sun drops and uh it's just cold so make sure you have your cold weather gear in your pack you got to start packing for the cold stuff i think we've been time to put your knickers on stomp yeah yeah and i'm excited about that but just be ready for it you don't want to get yourself in a pickle and be cold out there waiting for help and then we know we all know this after this crazy wet summer but the leaves will be will be falling, and uh, the rocks underneath will be slippery. Those leaves are super slippery, so just take care with your footing and uh, avoid any unnecessary falls. Thank you, Stomp. Do you suggest uh, switching to hiking poles if you're not using hiking poles to stay safe? It's a personal preference. <laughs> okay. I've been switching to poles. So yeah, like how's it. that going? It's going well. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's you going might. Well, that was a big difference when I switched over to poles and I did like the presidential traverse and stuff. It was like a game changer for me. Yeah. Gave you a little more endurance in the legs, maybe. Yeah. 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 It just was. It's taken a little bit of weight off my legs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well. All right. Stop. We got a sponsor here. That was great. So have fun out there with the leaves. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about Vaucluse gear. Do you have a sweat problem? Sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails plus sweat is a serious risk factor as your clothes get wet your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate and this can result in hypothermia heat exhaustion and dehydration we've got good news at slasher for you there's a piece of gear that solves the sweat problem Vaucluse's ultralight ventilation backpack frame the frame is a backpack accessory that easily installs on your favorite pack, size 15 liters up to 65 liters, and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your back. It's also ultralight, weighing less than a pair of socks and at just over three ounces. 
Whether you're hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight ventilation backpack frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow and ventilation. So visit VaucluseGear.com to order an ultralight ventilation frame today. Use promo code SLASHER to enjoy a $5 discount. And plus, let them know that Mike and Stomp sent you. And um, with my running, it, as it gets colder, I've uh, noticed the difference. It's been nice. You know, my I still get a little bit wet, just naturally sweating through my uh, wicking shirts, but it's been a lot more comfortable with the uh, ventilation frame on my ultralight. I never sweat with the with the Volcluse. Okay, yeah. See, that's my default. Sweating is my default position. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a sweaty person, Stomp. Like you, <laughs> I guess <laughs> you're blessed, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm stinky, but not sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. recent search and rescue news so lightning storm hits hikers on half dome thank god this didn't happen when i was there oh no kidding i think we did we cover the woman that slipped but survived or did were we just discussing that recently we didn't no we didn't we didn't okay talk about this i don't this, think at all we just talked about yosemite all right so this is the same incident I think you had mentioned it to me by text recently. Yes, I did. I was like, oh my God, did you just see that? Like I was just on half dome and then like a week later, some lady slipped. So yeah, wait till you see this story. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, I checked it out. So it's it's a story that is in uh, the San Francisco Chronicle and it sort of details about how, you know, this guy and his friends, they checked the weather before they set off for a hike and they had like low probability of rain Thursday morning. By the time the group arrived at, at Subdome, which is like the summit, I'm trying to think of what's the equivalent of um, – Subdome. I sort of feel like um, if you're doing Madison and Adams, like Madison would be the equivalent of Subdome, and then Adams would be Half Dome. But like it's yeah. sort of like that vibe. It's like makes sense. The summit before the summit. Uh, and that's where you sort of everyone gets settled and they put their gloves on and they look at the cables and they go, oh my God, I'm going to die and it's way steeper than I thought it was going to be. So anyway, mm-hmm. this group had hit Subdome before the final push. It was foggy. But there was no rain, and they climbed up, and uh, as they began the ascent, they could see that a storm was coming in, and they didn't even realize how much trouble they were going to be in. So it's about a 400-foot climb up the cables, and they arrived. this group arrived around 12.30 p.m., Fog started rolling into the summit, and my, it's not my experience with the storm systems out there is that they're pretty slow moving. Like the the rainstorm that we we got hit with when we set up our tents, you could see it coming from a mile away. So I'm assuming that mm. they probably saw the same thing. And you know, this group of like I think there was like three or four of um, of them in there. You know, the fog started rolling in at the summit, so people began to descend the cables, including two of this guy's friends in this article. And the guy in the article said within 15 minutes, the skies went from overcast to rain and sleet. Scary as hell. I can tell you right now, like, you do not want to be going anywhere near those cables when it's raining out, but they're stuck on top. So two of the friends in this group were descending. 
they had two-way radios and they said that the cables were so congested. I could see this happening because if you've got like 50, 60 people up on the summit mm. and they see the rain coming in, they're all going to beeline for the cables and it only takes one slow person to just screw everybody, you know, or one person freezes up like and a bowling, everyone's screwed. Bowling alley? The cables. The bo- yeah. yeah I, it sounds like it's like the prime place for a mass casualty event here. Sounds so it, dangerous. It really is. Yeah, Jeez. it really is. Like it's, it's super dangerous. But um, and again, you don't know the experience level of the people that you're dealing with here. And there hasn't been any mass casualty events, but I could absolutely see something happening. Mm. So anyway, these friends had two way radios, which is interesting. The friend said the cables were so congested that there wasn't a lot of movement. So. The guy in this article, his name's Dean, along with another friend, they decided to stay on top and wait it out, uh, which is another dicey proposition because then you're talking about like you're completely exposed to lightning. Mm. So the two friends on the cable, they're heading down. They heard somebody screaming and uh, the pair could not see what was going on, but they learned that a woman had fallen. Um, so the woman fell down the north side of the mountain hitting a rock ledge which stopped her and then other hikers said that emergency services were called and a helicopter crew came in to rescue so now these guys are stuck on the cable as a rescue operations going on unreal and then there's two more that are stuck on the summit and they decided to take shelter from uh, the rain in a rock cave which i don't even know where there is a rock cave on the shelter uh, but apparently they had five of them in there and um, I don't even know where there's a cave. I'd be curious. I have to look into that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, when the storm came in, there was a bunch of people taking shelter. The group hiding in the cave, lightning struck on the rocks that they used as a shelter. And the lightning went from one of the rocks into one of the person's knees. And it felt like they got hit by voltage. So Unreal. I could absolutely see this coming. I don't know where there's a, where there's a cave there, though. That's interesting. Huh. Um. There was a stranger in the cave. That person went unconscious. People were yelling wow. at him to wake up. Um, and it's a whole situation there. So the friend started hitting his chest, and eventually he woke up. Unreal. Um, so he was like a zombie, just a shell of a person. So now they got to get this guy down. Some other people had their hair singe when lightning entered them. And... You know, this guy was out for about 20 minutes, so they're in a scary situation. Yeah, Uh, you could say that again. Yeah, so at the same time, the woman who had slid down the uh, the cables, she's getting a rescue worker. Uh, Luckily, there had been a worker there to help save another woman who had fallen like a, a lower amount, like 20, 30 feet. So there's two people falling, you know, the whole thing is just sort of a mess. And eventually the two people on top were able to um, get down. But yeah, like you said, Stomp, like this is a scenario. This is the worst case scenario. Like if people got hit by lightning while there was, um, you know, people on the cables, then you're, you're right. You could absolutely see a mass casualty event there. Yeah. And you're not getting any um, aircraft up there to help out either. No. Not at all. And I can tell you, when we got hit with that storm, it was only about an hour's worth of rain, but it was coming down pretty good, and mm. we weren't moving out of our tents. We would, And I was sitting there going, geez, I hope I picked the right spot that I'm not going to puddle up on. But 
this is a question scary for, stuff on half dome for you or, or moose somebody like moose do they have rescue caches late littered around the dome at certain places do you think I don't know. I didn't see anything. There's definitely nothing on subdome and nothing on half dome. Mm. There's like a lower section below half dome or before subdome where there's the rangers hang out. And I don't know if they have supplies there. I would imagine that they probably do. Yeah. yeah. Might be interesting to find out. Yeah. So, but yeah, half dome, like you said, stomp, like it is primed for a mass casualty event if mm-hmm. if bad weather came in quickly. That's the other thing is because it's a permit system, it's similar to what we deal with in the whites because people are investing all this time and effort to go and hike half dome because they need to get a permit in order to do it. So for them, they're probably more likely to press to try to go for it. But I would advise people, the backup plan to me is if you're going to hike half dome and the weather's not good or or you can't get a permit, then clouds rest is the way to go because it's a summit right next to it and it's got better views, I think. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, so, uh, somebody just mentioned that online in agreement with you yes. that that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, half, more Crazy drama story. half dome. Um, next up, Stomp, you pulled this one. This is Asian Hornet Swarm Hikers in New Taipei. Yes. Not fun. This happens up here in the north occasionally, but, um, yeah, five people were attacked by Asian Hornets while hiking a mountain trail in Rufang, New New Taipei City. An ambulance met the hiking... No, not at all. But they show pictures of the damage on the arms and uh, legs, and it's brutal. So um, they also show pictures of the hornets, and these are not these are not like the hornets that you think of that are buzzing around New England. I mean, no way. Take, take the typical hornet that you think of around, buzzing around, like your your shutters in the summertime. And then expand that out by maybe a hundred, and yeah. it's basically about the size of your fist. And that—that's like, what you're talking about. You're getting stung by these giant hornets. Yeah, they look. It's hard to say in that picture, but certainly the size of like an ice cube or something like that. They're massive. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. They're 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 the size of like if you put your your index and your middle finger together. They, I would say they're about that size. Yeah. Wow. So that's a risk out there. Um, it's certainly a risk out here, but not with Hornets that are as large as in this case, but it's a very interesting story. Six-year-old woman actually had, um, when it's a shock because of the bites and required uh, a medical assistance, transport to the hospital. Oh my God. Some, um, I'd go on. Yeah, some ended up in the ICU ward with anti-allergy drugs to counter the venom. Holy moly. Wow. Venom? Yeah, I guess. That's what it says. Yeah, venom from the hornet's I, I would immediately just pass out. <laughs> Whole different world down there. Swarming yes. hornets. Wow. Yeah. Anywho. I'm a bro stomp. I can do the card game, but if I get stung by a giant <laughs> hornet, I'm just, I'm not a bro anymore. Oh, man. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> a screaming psychopath. 
Oh, yeah. I'm a big baby. All right. So next up here, a hiker rescued on Lonesome Lake Trail. So we got a local news story here. So Saturday, yeah. September 23rd, fishing game. We're made aware of an injured hiker on Lonesome Lake. Not a bad place to get injured. You get plenty of support from the AMC crew. Mm-hmm. Um, na- a 911 call had come through and then staff from the AMC hut were sent to the location to assess the situation because details were limited. AMC personnel arrived on the scene. So again, another example of, you know, we talk about this, the AMC, we talk about the, um, the Cog Railroad. They're all out there willing to help out. So the AMC personnel arrived on scene quickly and determined that a carryout would be necessarily due to a significant leg lower leg injury. So Pemi Valley Search and Rescue was requested along with uh, some conservation officers. So call came in at 3.30. By 4.30, the AMC hut staff had stabilized the injury and had packaged the injured hiker into a rescue litter that's cached at the hut. With the help of hiking companions, the group started carrying the injured hiker down Lonesome Lake Trail until they eventually met up with the rescue team. Shortly before 6 p.m., uh, they were able to make it to the trailhead and get the the victim into an ambulance. So 30-year-old hiker from Bo- uh, Boston, Massachusetts, she was transported to Littleton Regional Healthcare. So mm-hmm. not too bad there. Um, yeah. Apparently, she was looking to take a photo at Lonesome Lake and slipped on a wet rock falling awkwardly. So it was a 1.2-mile carryout, and it was done pretty quickly due to the response of the AMC staff and the willingness of the hiking companions to initially assist out. So that's not a bad place to uh, to have an incident and get carried out. You know, you never want to have that, but that's, that's one of the, you know, if I was going to pick a spot, that would be where I would fall. <laughs> yeah, near any hut. <laughs> Exactly. So that's good. The fishing game reminds people appropriate footwear should be worn when hiking. Hiking boots that provide support, protection, and traction are recommended. And um, get yourself a hike safeguard. Boom, and you're good to go. And that's it. Quiet weekend in search and rescue in New Hampshire, which is great news. Stomp for you. And... um, this is the end of the show here. I think we want to close out with a, a reckless plug and some ad- event details for the yeah. 11th of November. Yeah, let's talk about that quick. So a special thanks to our supporter at Reckless Brewing. We will enjoy the best food, craft beer, and fun just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many 4,000 footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. So uh, Reckless uh, is hosting this event. This was their idea, and... Um, People will remember that last year we had the full conditions uh, release, which was the brew inspired by Ty Gagne's writings. And we had a wonderful time and the proceeds uh, are going to New Hampshire Outdoor Council. So they wanted to do a another event for the release of full conditions this fall. So that's essentially the theme of the 11th and you can expect a live show. So we're going to record live and it'll be posted the following Friday as usual. And Ty will be present and the lineup um, will be, you know, early to mid afternoon. There'll be a period of music. I'll be playing some music and then we'll have a full recording, and then we'll have just a meet and greet and hang out after. Uh, but this will be an exclusive ticketed event, so they will be 
selling tickets and we will give you the link as soon as I receive it. Probably it'll probably be out by the time this episode is out and you'll have to reserve those seats. And then later in the evening, um, the place will go public, but you'll not be present unless you have a ticket to get in. So it's going to be a great time. Um, aside from Ty, there'll be other guests, guests that will be announced too. So we hope to see everybody. Very exciting. I'm feeling the pressure though, Stomp. I'm nervous. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Just a regular show. Better not screw this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, you know what happens. If you say Musalak wrong, you're actually going to get eggs thrown at you. So you're going to no, be- No, no. I'll have to just, I'll just have to pay Mark a dollar every time I say it incorrectly. So I got to meet this guy, Mark. Better, you, may, you better show up. Teach me how to pronounce this correctly. That's great. All right, cool. All right, Stomp, you did a great job. We learned about fall foliage. We learned about a mystery. We learned about history, and we learned about drama. Awesome. Very good. In the books. See you next time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Holy one hell! Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.